Good morning. Today we will look at the results of the recently conducted Ugandan presidential election, explore Alexander Navalny's journey to being detained in Russia and how it may affect Moscow's political functioning, and finally examine US pressure on Australia to withdraw legislation aimed at charging Facebook and Google for sharing local news content. Today is Friday, the 22nd of January. I am Rahi Bhattacharjee and you are listening to The Leader's Brief by Egomonk. Uganda gradually began restoring internet connection to the country last week after President Yoweri Museveni's victory for a sixth term as president led to a five-day communication blackout. The country's opposition party, the National Unity Platform, led by Robert Kyagulani, popularly known by his stage name Bobby Wine, plans to challenge the election results. Wine, however, has been placed under house arrest. The five-day government blackout had frozen not just internet communication, but even phone calls were barred. The greatest threat, the government said, was from social media spreading misinformation and rumours about the election results. Spokesperson Ofwano Opondo said, Disinformation had started with intention to discredit the election, with intention to intimidate, with intention to suppress voter turn-up, with intention to spread hate speech, abuse of candidates directly, abuse of political formations you don't agree with. To undermine the credibility of the results, we knew that if we did not shut social media, most likely we would have gone into chaos. Notably, in the run-up to the Ugandan presidential elections, at least 50 people lost their lives in protests against the arrest of Vine, who was later released for $270 bail, and several other opposition leaders and sympathizers. The clash between state police and Vine supporters marked a violent start to the country's electoral race that had predicted a strong challenge to Yoweri Museveni's 34-year-long rule. The 76-year-old who seized the Ugandan presidentship in 1986 after having toppled military general Idi Amin and former President Milton Obote won 58.6% of the votes, defeating Bobby Wine, a former pop singer and businessman who ranked second with 34.8 vote share. 57% of the country voted amidst an atmosphere of violence. Ironically, soon after his victory, Mr. Museveni was quoted as saying that the election might have been the fairest, with no foul practices since the country's independence in 1962. But opposition leader Wine alleged wide-scale voter fraud, saying that his party's polling agents were beaten and sent away from booths by Museveni supporters, who then rigged ballots. Notably, Museveni's tactics of force and gatherings of support through the notion that stability is key towards development had predicted his victory. In fact, long-term opposition leader Kiza Besigye refused to contest this year, saying that he is sure of Museveni's win. Besigye's withdrawal made room for Wine to become the leading opposition face against Museveni, under whose rule the country saw unemployment numbers dip from 60-20% to in the past one decade. However, a change in Uganda's population, with a majority being aged under 30, Wine's increasing influence in the last three years since he joined politics may pave the future for Ugandan development, and an important part of it would lie on decisions made by the newly formed Biden administration. President Joe Biden has been critical of Museveni's tactics to cling on to power, and the USA remains a major donor to the African country that remains a strategic ally towards America's foreign policy in the continent. Kampala receives approximately $750 million from the USA in aid 
and remains an important part of the African Union's mission in Somalia to fight the Al-Qaeda-linked Al-Shabaab. Despite his track record of bringing economic prowess to the country in a gradual manner, Museveni's power tactics will see increasing resistance for his sixth term. Talking about the stifling of opposition forces, Russian leader and Kremlin critic Alexander Navalny was detained by the state police after landing in Moscow on January 17th, an incident that has invited a large-scale criticism for Moscow. After being poisoned in August last year, the Kremlin critic who has become the strongest face of opposition against the Vladimir Putin government remained in Germany. Russian authorities had warned Navalny, a lawyer-turned-anti-corruption activist, that he would be arrested upon arrival in Russia for failing to meet probation conditions in Germany. Russian authorities had warned Navalny, a lawyer-turned-anti-corruption activist, that he would be arrested upon arrival in Russia for failing to meet probation conditions in Germany. The 44-year-old came to the spotlight in 2008 after he started writing about corruption in Russian politics in a blog. His attempts to contest the 2018 Russian elections was also foiled, with Russian authorities placing several corruption charges against him. After recovering from a poison attack on his way to Moscow from Serbia, Navalny had pointed fingers at President Putin as having orchestrated the attack, a charge the Kremlin continues to deny. However, despite warnings from authorities, the lawyer-turned-activist decided to fly to Moscow, where his flight was diverted to a separate airport where he was detained. The arrest has further strained relations between Moscow and Western forces, including the 27 EU nations, the UK and the USA. Both the USA and the EU has demanded for the immediate release of Navalny, calling Russia's move a violation of human rights and an attempt to curb free and fair political participation of citizens within the country. Russia, on the other hand, has said Navalny, quote, had been wanted since 29th December 2020 for repeated violations of the probation period, end quote. Russia accuses him of violating conditions imposed after conviction for embezzlement, for which he received a suspended sentence. While Russia is unlikely to release the opposition leader anytime in the near future, his arrest has sparked fresh concerns about Putin's authoritarian approach and may culminate into sanctions by Western countries against Moscow. Moving on to some tech news, the US government has asked Australia to scrap a proposed legislation aimed at charging Facebook and Google to pay for news sourced from local Australian outlets. The legislation, presently in review by the Senate committee, came after the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission revealed through an investigation that for every Australian $100 of online advertising spent, $53 goes to Google, $28 to Facebook and $19 Australian dollars to other media companies. The legislation plans to create a level playing field for companies dependent on ad revenues through a two-way value exchange mechanism. However, saying that the law could raise concerns with respect to Australia's international trade obligations, a US trade representative, Daniel Barr, as well as Carl Ehlers, said the US government is concerned that an attempt to regulate the competitive positions of specific companies may result in harmful outcomes. Australian Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has stressed Australia is committed to proceeding with a mandatory court and souring of relations between the two countries may take shape once the law is put in place. That is all for today. Thank you for listening. Tune in to EgoMong to stay updated on the latest happenings and their impact in global trade, technology and innovation. EgoMong helps you make sense of change. 
We're a global intelligence platform delivering asymmetric outcomes by bringing organizations closer to the communities they want to serve and the leaders they wish to influence. Visit our website insights.egomong.com which is spelled i n s i g h t s . e g o m o n k.com to subscribe and make better and faster decisions today. If you wish to collaborate with us then please email us at contact@egomong.com. At